This is The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. They're running a strange program, y'all. Now, here's Frank Morano. happy to be here because this is the most unpredictable hour in radio. Rather than me get to choose all that you see in here, it's your opportunity. It's time for The Other Side of Midnight proudly presents Ask Frank. Ask Frank anything. Ask Frank anything. Ask Frank anything. Ask Frank anything. That's right. Now is your opportunity to ask anything you like about anything you like. The only thing, it doesn't mean I'm going to be able to answer it, but it means I am going to try. Uh, The only thing that we ask is that you put it in the form of a question, not looking for a lengthy commentary and then a word that says, right, or isn't that the case? No. Uh, Ask an actual question. Ideally, it's a question that's thought-provoking, a question that gets not only me thinking, but a lot of our our, uh, listeners uh, thinking. A question that um, gets them wanting to ask their friends and loved ones the same question as well. Or if you're just curious about my opinion on something, uh, you're certainly welcome to ask that. You have interesting questions about uh, the inside radio business or uh, anything we do on this show or why I've said something I've said, why I've done something I've done, any questions about my personal history. Um, Now is the time. 800-848-9222. Now, whoever comes up, up with the most interesting, most creative questions, Question, singular, in the eyes of our staff, as judged by Tony, Matt Blaze, and Elias, that person will be the proud recipient of, are you ready for it, a brand spanking new Other Side of Midnight refrigerator magnet. So get to dialing, 800-848-9222, 800-848-9222. Let me be with Danny. Hi, Danny, what's your question? All right, so... My question I'll be posing to you, I feel will be hard for you to answer honestly, and I'm not blaming you, sir, but if a holy angel from heaven visited you, sir, and says that either, and this angel could determine your fate, and he says, either tomorrow you're fired from your radio job amidst false allegations, your name is ruined, and you're disgraced, mm-hmm. or tomorrow in some foreign country full of people you don't know, there's a massive earthquake killing, injuring, and replacing many. Nobody finds out your response, but we're gonna. How many Toronto. people? How many people are dying in that earthquake? Uh, let's say let's say fifty. How many? Let's say fifty. Fifty. Hmm. So and I get to I get to either be disgraced and lose my career, or have fifty people die. Well, you know, I know um, you may not believe me, but I'm going with uh, public disgrace. I think I would actually handle public disgrace pretty well. I uh, I think I would do like a, a Santos style uh, public rehabilitation tour, give my side of the story. I have a lot of friends that are publicly disgraced, and I think I would handle it pretty well. So I'm going with the uh, I'll save the people in the earthquake. 
Your career is over, Mr. Morano. You understand? I, I understand. I understand. I uh, recognize that. Well, I mean, I think I could probably get work, even if I'm disgraced, publicly doing something else. I mean, John Hinckley, who shot the president, is able to get work. So if Hinckley <laughs> can get work, I feel like I could probably get work at a convenience store or something somewhere. I hear. Okay. Uh, thank you, Danny. Good question, though. Or maybe it could be like uh, George Santos. Go on uh, Cameo, right? 800-848-9222. That's 800-848-9222. Pete is in Piscataway. It's that way. Hello, Pete. Hi, Frank. Frank, what are your fa- three favorite TV series finales? Oh, um, that's a great question. Um, you know, I, I, it really, I think... It really does reflect my favorite shows, right? So I'm going to have to say, uh, meaning shows that I really enjoyed, I have to, I think probably, uh, I I like the Seinfeld uh, series finale, so I'm going to have to go with that one. And I'm a huge Seinfeld fan. I think that's, that's right up there. I'm going to have to go with... Uh, the Sopranos, same same kind of deal. As for the third, that's a little more challenging. I, I part of me wants to say Veep. Uh, part of me wants to say um, Breaking Bad. Uh, um, I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with Veep. I think the way that that season that series finale was handled was really good. Although I'll be honest with you, Pete, with the uh, upcoming final season of Curb Your Enthusiasm, I do have very high um, expectations for the series finale of uh, of that show. So Mad Men, I also really enjoyed. But if I'm if I'm picking only three, I'm going Seinfeld. I'm going The Sopranos, and I'm going Veep. Great question, Pete. 800-848-9222. 800-848-9222. Neil, what's your question, Neil? Hey, Frank. Uh, it's a two-parter. Uh, after listening to you for 13 years, I've become enamored with your intelligence, your girth of knowledge, and your wit. So I was wondering, Frank, if there was a special edition of Jeopardy and you went up against Ken Jennings, the first part is, could you clean his clock? And the second part of the question is, other than Jeopardy, what game show would you like to be on that you think you would do really well at? Oh, um, well, no, I definitely would not clean Ken Jennings' uh, clock because not only does the have not only does he have a lot of knowledge, but he knows how to play the game well. He knows how to wager. He knows how to use the buzzer. He knows, um, you know, he knows he knows all that stuff. Um, but uh, I, I, but it all depends on the categories. You know, yesterday or two days ago, I there was only one person that got Final Jeopardy correct, and I got Final Jeopardy correct. Uh, so you know, you sometimes you just get lucky. Yesterday there was a category on the Constitutional Convention. I swept the category, and there were no con, no no other contestants that swept the category. So if you had the categories being. 20th century third parties and um, the New York Mets and, you know, uh, you know, radio broadcasters. You know, I, I it all depends. Sometimes you get lucky with the categories and sometimes you don't. As far as other game shows that I think I would do well on, I always thought I would do OK on uh, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, but that's not on anymore. I... Um, I don't think I would do well on The Price is Right because that doesn't, you know, I don't know the price of anything. Um, you could tell me that a, a gallon of milk costs $3 or $15. I would have no idea which is closer to um, to the truth. I always thought I would do well on, um, is Millionaire still on? Do you know, Neil? 
No, it's not. No, it's not. Okay. Wheel of Fortune, uh, I, I I don't know. I don't think I would do that well on that game either. I um I don't even – so what else is on right now? I know you have Supermarket Sweep. I know you have uh, Wheel of Fortune. What else is on out there? I just watched Press Your Luck. I thought that's one of the best shows on uh, – they give away great prizes. And how does that game work? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like a board. The lights go around. If you press a button, uh, 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 a button in front of you, and if it lands on a prize, you get the prize, your money. If it lands on a whammy, you get four whammies, you're out of the game. Yeah, I, I see. I'm not up on that one. There was one game show that uh, Jay Leno was hosting. You bet your life. Uh, the, the old uh, re, uh, take on the old Groucho Marx show. I think I could do well at that because there's a trivia element of that. I'll go with that. I'll say uh, you bet your life. That's the uh, other game show that I'm comfortable going on. Okay, Frank. Thanks, Have Neil. A great great question. You too. 800-848-9222. 800-848-9222. Moisha is in Brooklyn. Hello, Moisha. How you doing, Frank? I'm well, thank you. Um, I just wanted to know what you think about those tunnels, the Chabad Synagogue in Crown Heights. You heard about that? Yeah, I mean, we talked about it with Noam the other day. I mean, I think it's terrible. Nobody should be uh, creating illegal tunnels under buildings and uh, potentially putting multiple buildings uh, in danger. I I mean, I I thought it was terrible. And, you know, I, I think the people that were responsible for it they they certainly have, seem to have some extreme views, but they also seem to potentially be uh, maybe uh, have some sort of mental illness. At, because my understanding, and you know, I, I'm not an expert in this story, but it, you know, I've read the articles that I've seen about it. My understanding is the people that dug these tunnels they are from a sect that actually believes that uh, Rebbe uh, Schneerson was the second coming, was the Messiah. So I. Think I think that I would, uh, I mean, he would never have approved this kind of thing at all. This sort of, uh, you know, tunnel digging yeah. and p- putting t- people at, uh, at, at, in danger. So I, I think it's terrible, honestly. Yeah. Um, only some of them think that, that the Rebbe Schneerson is, is the Messiah. So why were the other well, ones doing it? No, those, pe- those people think, think that he's the Messiah. And right, it's, it's right. That's definitely... It's a real, the real shame that these people have such a false vision. And yeah, these were definitely extremists. Definitely oh no, no, extremists. no doubt about it, Moisha. Thank you. And I think the shame of it is that when you see something like that, it causes all sorts of other people to engage in all these anti-Semitic conspiracy theories. You saw a fella named Stu Peters on uh, on Twitter post who's being forced to sleep on these uh, child-sized soiled mattress hidden in illegal tunnels connected to a Jewish temple. So it it creates all these conspiracy theories. Oh, what what are they really doing? Why are they doing that? My my sister-in-law is an Orthodox Jew, and she said that uh, even somebody that she was friends with started asking her questions about uh, are they um you know are they hiding babies down there or something which of course they were not but it really just plays into a lot of these uh, anti-semitic tropes 800-848-9222 800-848-9222 john is on long island what's your question john 
Hey, Frank, quick thing, just a quick thing in regards to your son's uh, scar. There's some products that they're, they're scar gels. Do you want to put it on this? Scar away and Moderna. Just you know, I, I ordered oh, something, and I was talking with my yeah. wife about it yesterday, and she thinks that it's not a scar yet. She thinks it's still healing, so she ordered something else that may help okay. it heal. So hopefully it arrives tomorrow and we can start applying it right away. All right, my question to you is this. So uh, a few weeks ago, you had Dominic Carter and Anthony Weiner on the show. And I want to ask you, you as a journalist, I guess you are, to a certain extent, on a mindset of the political mindset of people. I'm amazed a guy like Anthony Weiner is like so like a drone-like personality. Now, is that really real? Or is he just gunning for his, his political group? He just wants to see what's right and wrong and so forth. What's the thinking of a guy like that? He just doesn't want to see it the way he should be seen, at least in my opinion. What's your thinking on that? What is that all about? By the way, he's got a great show. I listen to show all time he's got a great personality he's a very smart guy but with that said what's your thinking with something like that well i with with wiener specifically or or with people yeah, liberal commentators in general yeah, the way he defends the position, like you know, totally different things. He seems to have a very always has an angle to diffuse the, yeah. the, the reality of certain things. Well, a yeah. couple of things. Obviously, I can't speak for Anthony Weiner, but I, I do think he believes everything he's saying. I don't think he's taking anything. I don't think he's saying anything uh, for you know for the sake of uh, just being the 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 liberal on the on the radio. The other thing is, I, I think you know, it's kind of like um, you know, I went to NYU. NYU was, you know, I never really considered myself a conservative. Um, And I went to NYU and everybody was liberal. And when they would do things, you know, like have constant protests or, um, you know, have all these instances of, you know, these these, uh, demonstrations promoting this left-wing cause or that left-wing cause, even some that I agreed with, by the way, it almost made me... Because I'm a little bit of a contrarian, it made me more conservative. It made me kind of stand up a little bit more um, for conservatism because you feel like it, you you have a duty to kind of stand up against all these people coming in around you. When I was an intern at a talk radio station that was very conservative, almost everybody in the halls there was conservative. I went the other way. I felt the need to kind of be more liberal. I, I think by the nature of my personality, I'm kind of a contrarian. You go against where everybody else is. I think in the case of Anthony Weiner, it's a little bit of that. Weiner is um, a Democrat, and he kind of feels like it's his duty to stand up and bring what he perceives to be a little bit of common sense to a radio station where the vast majority of commentators are Trump supporters and the vast majority of listeners are Trump supporters. So sometimes he gets a little bit dug in. And look, I think maybe there is an element of um, theater in there, uh, maybe a little bit of an element of he maybe does enjoy being the bad guy, but I don't think he changes his position on anything. I think he believes everything that he says because, look, I listen to him, and he's got very considered views on everything. He doesn't, you know, react in a knee-jerk manner. I listened to his explanation last weekend, for instance, on why uh, Bill O'Reilly and Sid Rosenberg were incorrect on the issue of the asylum seekers. And he cited laws, he had facts, he had research. So I don't think you could say he's just jumping to a conclusion because it's the knee-jerk liberal position. All right, 800-848-9222, 800-848-9222. Kenny is in Iowa. What's your question, Kenny? Hey, hi, Frank. I uh, I hope you can help me answer this question. Whenever I hear about... Um, 
people talking about uh, time travel, and they talk about going back in time, but they also talk about going forward in time. How could you go forward in time if it hasn't happened yet? Well, I don't understand that. I mean, I think that is one of the reasons that a lot of people believe that uh, time travel to the future is impossible. Uh, Because, I mean, according to NASA, and we're going to talk with a NASA scientist next hour, time travel is possible, but not as you'd expect, right? It's not possible to travel into the future faster than the current rate, but it's possible to speed up the passage of time in small increments. I don't know if you saw the film... um, Gravity. I think that was the one with uh, Matthew McConaughey. Um, well, I mean, that is, you know, that has to do with him going to a place where uh, time travels at a slower rate than what it does on Earth. So some say that time travels impossible because if it were possible, we would already be doing it. Others say time travels possible based on the laws of physics, but time travelers wouldn't be able to alter the past in any measurable way. Some theoretical physicists say that time travel can't be possible for one, the reason you you point out, but also that it would involve such vast amounts of energy. It's forbidden by the laws of physics. I have no idea, Kenny. I, I, I have no idea. Um, I don't know that anybody's traveled to the future except in science fiction movies. So I really can't say. We'll put this on our list for next hour. We're going to be joined by a real scientist, not someone that pretends to be one on radio, Um, Dr. Paul Sutter, who's an astrophysicist and a NASA advisor. We'll get into that with him. All right, we'll continue with your questions in a moment. 800-848-9222, straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Marano. This summer, dive into the many cools of San Antonio. Because as soon as the temperature rises, so does the fun, the flavors, the excitement, and the many cool things that make our city the perfect summer getaway destination. Come keep cool with amazing pools at the best hotels, refreshing adventures both indoor and outdoor, inspiring history and culture, culinary wonders, and the hottest nights of your life at the coolest spots in Texas. To plan the coolest summer vacation, dive in to visitsanantonio.com slash summer. It's the other side of midnight with Frank Morano. Shake your body, baby, do that conga. No, you can't control yourself any longer. Come on, shake your body, baby, do that conga. No, you can't control yourself any longer. Stefan singing about the conga. This was, you know, t- today is my Aunt Camille's birthday, and uh, she's like me. She doesn't like anybody to know how uh, how old she is, but, you know, she's getting up there. And uh, I spoke to her yesterday, asked what songs uh, she wanted to hear, and um, then her daughter, my cousin Liz, reached out to me and asked for um, bumper music on her mom's behalf. So this was one of the songs that my cousin Liz asked for, 
or her mom, my Aunt Camille, who I'm hoping to see for lunch today. But um, it was not one of the specific ones that my Aunt Camille asked for. So uh, that that is uh, happy birthday, Aunt Camille. I hope that Gloria Estefan song has a special meaning to you. 800-848-9222. Alfredo is in Newark. Hello, Alfredo. Yes, Frank, how are you? I'm well. Frank, I hear many times in this session that uh, many programs are number one in terms of rating. Uh, in your case, uh, how many people are listening every day to your program? Uh, how many people are, uh, you know, I've answered this before, and I got in trouble for being, I think, a little too accurate, so I'm going to plead the the fifth on this one, because uh, as I understand, and uh, this is how it was explained to me, that the ratings information is uh, proprietary, and they use that information to sell to advertisers, both in all of the markets that we're on and to national advertisers. So why would anybody pay for the ratings if some herkimajerk is just going to say them on the radio? So I have answered that question before. You can go back and listen to previous editions of this broadcast when that has come up, but I got in trouble and told not to mention it, so I'm not. I will say, though, I am pretty confident there are a lot of people listening, many, many, many people listening, more than you probably think. I will say this. All right, 800-848-9222, Brandon is in New Jersey. Hello, Brandon. Hello. Brandon, what's on your mind? Hey. Okay, well, I'm like his son. You're sorry? You're my okay, son? So, How much do I owe your mother? No, no. I'm, I'm saying I'm his son. Oh. And, okay, so if life is a simulation, why is there no glitches? Like, if it was a simulation, then we would see glitches lots of times. Well, we do see glitches. Um, You know, the... There's the Mandela effect. I don't know if you're familiar with the Mandela effect. Is your name Brandon also? Yeah, I'm Junior. Junior. Okay, so I, I don't know if you're familiar with the Mandela effect, but basically the Mandela effect is when people remember different versions of an event from how it actually happened. And a lot of people believe that's a, a glitch in the simulation that we're living. Uh, a lot of people say that deja vu is an example of a glitch in the simulation. A lot of folks say uh, doppelgangers. When you encounter a stranger who looks exactly like you, or you meet two people that look exactly like one another, um, or, you know, a lot of people have talked about the, 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 the telephone call. When the telephone rings a few minutes after someone passes away. So I think there are plenty of examples of glitches in the Matrix, but, you know, I don't know if this is a computer simulation or not, Brandon, and I'll be honest, I'm afraid to find out because I think the results would either be very boring or very catastrophic because whoever simulation it is, if whatever they're trying to determine by creating the simulation and observing us, if we now know it's a simulation, we might act differently. So I hope it's not a computer simulation, but I have no idea and I've decided I don't care to find out. Is that satisfactory? Thank you. Great question. 800-848-9222-800-848-9222. John is in Maryland. Hello, John. Thanks, Frank, for taking my call. You're welcome. Uh, career choice. Deep sea 
exploration or space? Which one would you choose? Huh. Um, well, what kind of deep sea exploration? Like a Jacques Cousteau type? Uh, something like uh, going to like the Mariana Trench, something that discovering something that hasn't been discovered. Hmm. Both seem very interesting. You know, I'm interested in space, right? So uh, that's that's kind of my my jam. So I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with space on this one. Given the choice between the two as careers, I'll go with space. Thank you very much. Thank you. 800-848-9222. 800-848-9222. Igor is in New Jersey. Hi, Igor. Yeah, greetings, Frank. Uh, as you probably know, uh, on last Sunday, uh, the, the large broadcasting company, Odyssey, as well as a podcaster, they uh, filed for Chapter 11 bankruptcy and uh, saying their revenues were significantly down. So I wanted to, to hear your views, opinions on that and what that might say about the future of, of, of terrestrial broadcast radio and its profitability. Well, look, it's not unusual for these big radio companies to go through bankruptcy. Uh, I was working for a company called Citadel. That went through bankruptcy. Uh, I then, you know, I had a lot of friends that were working for a company called Cumulus, and that went through bankruptcy. The, the first thing that it does See, it's bad news for shareholders. That's that's number one. It's also potentially bad news for anyone working for Odyssey that makes a lot of money because that allows them to renegotiate all those contracts and pay these talents a lot less. Uh, for instance, my friend uh, Curtis Lewa was working for uh, Cumulus when they went bankrupt, and they offered him a very generous amount of money to re-sign with, with uh, not Cumulus, with, with, uh, with Citadel, and he chose not to because he knew they were going through bankruptcy and he knew that that contract would have essentially been null and void. So he went to a different radio company. I think um, if you're an air talent or at one of those companies, you're going through a lot of those same things. But I think it's going to give them a lot of flexibility. They've restructured the debt. I think uh, there might be pressure to sell some of those stations. And I think maybe in the long run, and uh, this is unfortunate for radio fans, maybe it'll make local programming on those uh, stations a little bit less. Uh, maybe they'll have uh, be, they'll be pressured to take less expensive syndicated programming. I don't know, but uh, Odyssey is saying uh, that that's not the case. They've received approval from the bankruptcy court to continue normal operations as of now. But I think it uh, does point to, one, the mistake that a lot of these giant media companies made in the 90s by getting, you know, so big, buying up all these stations, borrowing money to do it, and then running into the buzzsaw known as digital advertising, podcasting, satellite radio, and the like. So I don't know where it leads us. I think it potentially, um, I think the jury's still out, honestly, and that's the best answer I can give on where we... Um, on where we are, I don't know. 800-848-9222, 800-848-9222. Denise is on Long Island. Hi, Denise. Hi, Frank. Frank, um, on a few occasions you mentioned about your wife being an animal lover. I know you are, too. Mm -hmm. But you did say that she's feeding a cat colony and that at some point later on when she retires, she would like to have a rescue organization. Mm -hmm. I was wondering if at this point in time she has any specific... Uh, agenda that people could support her in order to make this rescue organization 
uh, a reality. Well, you know, not at this point, uh, but I know um, I'll ask her if there's anyone that she wants me to mention. Most of the groups that she's involved with are, you know, basically small groups in our neighborhood and in the surrounding neighborhoods of just volunteers that uh, that that feed these cats uh, at a cat colony and then trap them and uh, take them to get neutered. It's not really a a formal organization or anything along those lines. But I, I appreciate you asking. No, I know, but you specifically said when she retires that you would like to have a rescue organization. Right. I, I think, or a rescue, like a sanctuary. Yeah, I think we're a long ways away from that uh, at this point, so I wouldn't know where to where to direct people in terms of, uh, in terms of money or anything like that. But, uh, okay. I, yeah, there's no, nothing specific at this point, Denise, but I appreciate you asking. 800-848-9222, 800-848-9222. Bob is in Manorville. Hi, Bob. Hey, Frank, how you doing? Uh, I know you're a NFL football fan. Um, I'm not sure if you're aware, or maybe you are, that um, this weekend is the first weekend that the um, NBC, the Peacock, Peacock app, mm-hmm. gonna, uh, the game between uh, the Miami Dolphins and the Kansas City right. Chiefs. You're not going to be able to watch yep. it on uh Yep, we got into this 4. with Gnome yesterday, right. Okay, so um, my, I, there is a question at the end of this. Um, how unfair that is. I mean, uh, people have been watching the playoffs, the NFL for years. I can understand they do it in the regular season with uh, Prime. But, you know, there's, there's plenty of elderly people, you know, who don't rely on the Internet. They just want to turn their TV on, and they're looking forward to the playoffs. And so my question is, do you think that there's going to be a – backlash because it is i, I don't uh, i don't I will Bob. never i will i will never ever get the piak app all right well I, yeah i i don't actually i actually think you're going to see a lot more of this i think the reason nbc paid 110 million dollars uh i think that's around what they paid to the nfl is precisely so they can make money right so by doing this you know it, they're they're expecting people more people to get the Peacock app and to subscribe to it. And they're expecting that in the long run, this will be a win for them. Now, I appreciate the fact that you won't, and I know a lot of other people won't. They're betting that in the long run, enough people will. And that's why they're spending this money. Now, it would be great to watch the game for free on television. I feel the same way about, you know, all these other events that are not broadcast on radio. I'd love to listen to the Academy Awards and the Golden Globes on uh, radio and WrestleMania, for instance, on radio. I can't do it. I have to... Again, use uh, Peacock for uh, WrestleMania. But it, in a lot of ways, it's kind of like, um, you know, uh, when the satellite companies paid Howard Stern, happy birthday, Howard Stern, by the way, a whole bunch of money, Sirius paid him all this money in the hopes that they would get new subscribers. And you know what? A lot of people stopped listening because they couldn't listen to him for free. But a lot of people ended up uh, paying the subscription fee to listen to him on Sirius. It's business. It's the business of sports and in the business of media. If you had a means of distribution and you were willing to spend $160 million for the broadcasting rights to an NFL playoff game, you know what? They would be on Bob TV faster than you can say without the express written consent of the NFL. All right, 800-848-9222. One open line. If you have a question, now's the time to ask. Straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. 
Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. Side at Midnight with Frank Morano. There's a port on a western bay and it serves a hundred ships a day, lonely sailors. The time away and talk about their homes. And there's a girl in this harbor town, and she works. This is Brandy by Looking Glass. This is a birthday bumper music selection by my friend Frank Fontaino, who, along with Howard Stern and Rush Limbaugh and my Aunt Camille, is celebrating his birthday today. So, happy birthday, uh, Frank Fontaino. I'm actually going to be having dinner with Frank tomorrow night. So, I'm looking forward to seeing him and uh, maybe buying him a drink for his birthday. Not a whole dinner because it's an expensive restaurant, but... I don't know if I could get that six dollar and thirty one cent check in time. Maybe I will. Maybe I will, I will buy dinner. All right, we are uh, answering your questions on any subject as part of the other side of midnight. Proudly presents Ask Frank. Ask Frank anything. Ask Frank anything. Ask Frank anything. Ask Frank anything. Eight hundred eight four eight ninety two twenty two. Ed is in Westchester. What's your question, Ed? Hey Frank, I actually have a question on proper talk show etiquette. Okay. Uh, and it's a three-tier question, so if you can, uh, I throw out all three questions. Okay. My first question is, um, who decides to actually, well, actually, the first question is, who actually hangs up the phone during a talk show uh, interchange? My second question is, how do you decide when is the proper time to hang up on the caller? And the third sh- question, hopefully I'll get to the third question before you hang up on me, is in talk radio school, do they tell you when to say thanks for the call? Is there a particular time? Because I hear it all the time. Sometimes I hear it, sometimes I don't. So I'll throw it out there. Uh, okay. Uh, first question. Well, I can only I can speak to this show, but I've observed a lot of other shows. On this show, I hang up on people, right? Nobody else but me, I hang up on people. On other shows, and you know, if Tony or Matt want to comment on what other hosts do, they're, they're certainly welcome to. On other shows, I've seen um, the engineer be the person that ends the call. Sometimes it's the result of uh, a hand gesture, or uh, sometimes when you hear someone say thanks for the call, that's an indication that the uh, call is being terminated. Uh, but no, no, I, I don't remember. I, again, it's been a while since I've uh, taken any classes in broadcasting. I could probably use a few more. I, I, it, I don't remember anybody saying that there's an appropriate place to say um, thanks for the call. And as far as when to hang up on the call, that's entirely at the discretion of the of the host. Uh, Tony, anything you want to add uh, to this? Uh, you're a guy that works on a lot of shows. It's just the vibe, you know, just depending on how 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 the conversation is going. If the conversation is not going well, next, 
Okay, well, there you have it, Ed. Ed well, yeah, go ahead, say, Matt. Thank when, you so much. Thank you so much for keeping me on till the end of the call. Right? Yeah, sure thing, Matt. Anything you want to add there? Well, I was going to say, yeah. When people start repeating themselves, it's time to end the call. When gotcha. they run That's out good. of stuff to say. That's good. And now it's time to go. Yeah, uh, there's some hosts that I find uh, I repeat themselves a lot, and I wish I could end that call from. As a listener, 800-848-9222, 800-848-9222. Russ is in White Plains. Hi, Russ. Hey, Frank. Congratulations on having a variety of childlike listeners, including Brandon Jr. and the notorious Vincent of Brooklyn, even though Vincent sounds like a concussed version of a Sopranos character. I love Vincent. Frank, I want to Vincent's an American you. hero. Oh. Yeah, I know. He, he calls uh, shows on WABC. It's great to have him. Yeah. Um, hey, the question is, can Obama now be charged with the intentional drone death of that innocent U.S. teenager in 2014, you know, once Trump takes office? You know, that is such a good question. And you're talking about not by the International Criminal Court in The Hague. You're talking about by American authorities. Well, you know, look, they're indicting Trump. Yeah. You know, uh, you know for, it's such a good question. You know, uh, there's... Murder, obviously, and war crimes are two things for their, which there's no statute of limitations. Now, uh, President Obama killed more people with drones than any Nobel Peace Prize winner in history. And that's a record I'm sure he's very proud of. Um, there's no question, in my view, that it was completely unconstitutional, a violation of both the Fourth Amendment and the Fifth Amendment. And I think there's a case to be made, and people like Judge Napolitano, Ron Paul, other people that know the Constitution much better than me, say that not only was the killing of that Denver-born teenager completely unconstitutional, but a lot of people, including Napolitano and Ron Paul, believe that the killing of Anwar al-Awlaki, who was an American citizen, that that was also unconstitutional. Now, I'm not willing to go that far. I think once you become the head of al-Qaeda, maybe maybe you put a (laughs) drone target on your back. But uh, President Obama's attorney general, Eric Holder, had advised Obama that the killing was lawful. So I'm sure that's what, um, you know, that he would hang his hat on. But what uh, what Holder said was that uh, basically it was the equivalent of if Alwaki had, um, it was a bank robber that got killed by the cops as he was trying to get away. But Holder mm-hmm. forgets that Alwaki was unarmed, was not charged with a crime, was not indicted for any crime, was never accused of violence, and was not even the subject of an arrest warrant when a drone basically you know executed him while sitting at an outdoor cafe in Yemen so as far as the teenager goes it's a great question you know uh, someone else just suggested that we're overdue for a chat with Judge Napolitano so I'm going to reach out to him tonight and see if he wants to come on the program maybe Monday or Tuesday and I will pose that very question to him I don't know what the protocol would be but I would think the answer is yes Russ Frank, the teenager was Awalaki's son. I know. I'm aware. I'm aware. Son. Yeah, I'm aware. Okay. No, and, but and, and, yeah. and one separate question: Can I ask you, Does outing Taylor Swift make her fans more likely to vote Democratic in 2024? Thank you very much. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think so. Eight hundred eight four eight ninety two twenty two. Two open lines. If you have a question, Joaquin is in Pennsylvania. Hi, Joaquin. Frank, you and me, we have experience with that hanging up thing. When you called me an idiot. <laughs> anyway. Uh, are you up for an episode of Morano 101, What Would Frank Say? Sure, I'm ready. Okay. I was recently uh, exposed to my, uh, the Can't annual uh, I this guy an idiot. Uh, sexual harassment. Uh, oh, come on. What do you call it? Um, 
Training. Anyway, yeah, instruction. And so anyway, the, the thing came up where, you know, Bambi, her supervisor, Mr. Jeremy, uh, there's a, a new position that Bambi wants to take. And he suggests that she's not quite as qualified, but he could pull some strings, you know. Right. And uh, so anyway, they have to go away on a business trip. And so she decides to invite Mr. Jeremy Ron up to her uh, hotel room that, you know, they can discuss this a little further. And she actually seduces him and says, you know what, if you can pull those strings for me, you know, I'll be happy to take care of you. Well, anyway, she does wind up assuming the new position, but then subsequently gets demoted because she just didn't have the skills to handle it. Mm. She turns around and accuses Mr. Jeremy, her supervisor, of sexual harassment or quid pro quo. However, isn't Bambi guilty of uh, prostitution? Well, I don't know that she's guilty of, of prostitution, but I think the gray area that you describe with that question really is such an indication of why it's a mistake to get involved with someone at the workplace. I mean, because stuff like that can happen all the time. This is the situation with Jeff Zucker, right? I mean, stuff like this goes on constantly, right? I mean, um, I think it's really unwise because you end up in situations like that. You're in something which, which begins as a consensual relationship, and then things go sour, either professionally or personally, and it screws up the other. Now, again, uh, my father met at least two of his wives on at the workplace. So, you know, it does happen. Bill de Blasio met his ex-wife at the workplace. It happens. Um, because you spend a lot of time working. These are the people that you're around. I'm trying to, I've been involved uh, with women in the workplace very, very rarely, um, but a couple times over the years. And it's, it's very rarely a, if ever, um, a, a good idea precisely because of that is what sexual harassment and, you know, it's just it's just messy. Big mistake. It's like George when he describes, um, you know, that woman at work that he ends up sleeping with after seeing her at the party. Every day has the awkwardness of a date. And it really ends up screwing up the relationship and p- potentially the professional relationship. 800-848-9222. David is in the Boogie Down Bronx. Hi, David. Yes, good morning, Frank. Good morning. The other day when you were discussing that film, uh, May-December, with yes. Julianne Moore and mm-hmm. Natalie Portman, you had indicated that a 16-year-old boy who had sex with a 30-plus-year-old woman has some type of bragging rights, and you didn't seem to think it was a big deal. Now, my question to you is, does that same rule apply if a 16-year-old girl has sex with a 35-year-old man? No. And mm-hmm. it – all right. Really. And the other uh, part of the question is, if a 35-year-old woman seduced Carmine when he was 16 years old, would you think that's a big deal? Okay. Uh, Let me answer the first uh, part of the question first and then do my best with the second part of the question. And then uh, we have two open lines if people want to comment, 800-848-9222. Star Trek fans will appreciate this. There's a Star Trek episode called A Mock Time where we're introduced to the Vulcan concept of Ponfar, which I think occurs once every seven years, but don't hold me to that. And basically, Spock is going crazy because he's so blinded by this 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 um, lust, this blood lust within him that he has to go to Vulcan <clears throat> and take a wife. And he's going crazy. He's doing all things that are un-Spock-like. He's throwing things. He's screaming at Nurse Chapel. He's uh, prepared to kill his best friend. And he would never do that but for the fact that he's totally blinded by hormones dictating that he has to have sex, essentially. Um, For 
a look, I can't speak to the homosexual nature of things, but for a heterosexual young man between the ages of 13 and 19, every day is like Ponfar. You're totally unreasonable. You're totally blinded by this hormonal desire to mate. And so you're going to tell me that the ultimate, you know, coupe de grace for a young man, which is to bed an older woman, is a crime? I know technically it is, and I guess it has to be. It's not. Uh, That older woman is doing that 16-year-old a boy or male, a public service. It is the equivalent of giving a man dying of thirst in the desert a canteen of water. It is a tremendous lifeline and public service. And I don't buy for a second that any 16-year-old young man, unless he has special issues, um, you know, educational disabilities or autism, or if he's got, you know, if he's got special issues, but a standard 16 year old boy, there is no way in, in the world that he's traumatized by that encounter. She's doing him an incredible service. And for that person to be thrown in prison, I think is a tremendous travesty. It is 100% not the same for a 35-year-old male to uh, do that with a 16-year-old woman. I don't know why it's not the same. It's just not. Uh, primarily, I think, because men are, by, by their very nature, predatorial. And women are not in, in that, in that you know, in the standard sense, in the sexual sense. As far, if it was my son, um, what I think it was a big deal I, it's a good question. You know, I would have a conversation with him about the birds and the bees long before he was 16 and make sure he was educated about, you know, not being uh, careless with other people's emotions and kind of understanding uh, what goes on when you have relationships of an intimate level. But I have to say, um, if it was like a 35-year-old woman down the block not a a teacher or a principal i'm gonna be honest no i i don't think it's i I don't think it's a a big deal uh david all right frank uh just one thing and uh because i I sort of agree with some of the things you said but let me just say this i think it's incredibly chauvinistic of you to not have uh the um understanding that young women probably have the same sexual desires as young men that you're making women sound prudish and, and you're, you're uh, I think, I don't know what women you met when you were 16, but the ones that I've encountered uh, when I was that age were just as sexually um, inclined as young men. So I don't know where you get that idea from. I'm just curious if you have a reason for your belief that women don't have those same desires at that age. Well, first, um, any the, the one thing that every woman that I, that, hadn't co- that I met when I was 16 had in common is none of them wanted to have sex with me. That was the one standard I, I noticed with every single one of them. Um, but second, I, I just, it's, it's different. I, I know that teenage girls are or hormonal as well. I think it's just different. I just, I, I don't know how to, I think it just is part of the differences that we experience with different genders. I realize that's going to be, um, you know, it's a very weak answer, but it's the best one that I have. Thanks for the call, David, and a thought provoking question. Now, I'm not suggesting you change the laws. I'm not. However, that's why we have prosecutorial discretion. 
And if you are a pervy 50-year-old teacher that is leering at a 15-year-old girl every day of class and working so hard to seduce her every single day, and finally she relents and and succumbs to your seduction, you're, you're a creep. I, I can see a scenario in which you should be put in prison. If you're a 35-year-old woman in the same scenario with a 15- or 16-year-old boy, no prosecutor should ever seek jail time for you because it's just it's unjust and it's just completely wrong in my judgment. Sorry if that's a weak answer, but it is. It, that's the case. 800-848-9222. Uh, George is in New York. Hi, George. Hi, an attractive 35-year-old. Yeah, I, yeah, I know, but, I know, but right. you know, you got, when you're 15 or 16, uh, attraction... I agree with you 100%. Uh, attraction is is almost secondary in a lot of respects. You're pretty, right. you get pretty flexible pretty quickly. I agree with you 100%. The last couple of minutes, whatever you've said. Now, here's the question I have. Now, the word nuclear has been mispronounced, you know, by presidents, including Eisenhower, Carter, uh, George W. Bush, who they say used to do it deliberately, you know, uh, for popularity reasons. Now, uh, in your opinion, which is mine, actually, I believe that uh, due to the fact that they did not see the word, you know, the spellings, mm -hmm. uh, they thought nuclear was spelled N-U-C-U-L, A-R, rather than N-U-C-L-E-A-R. Also, Semitic, right, is spelled I-T-I-C, not E-T-I-C. You are the only person in the past years I've been paying tremendous attention. You are the only one who just about half an hour ago pronounced Semitic anti-Semitic correctly. Everybody else, Bill Riley, everyone pronounces it anti-Semitic which means that they believe the space uh, uh, So, real quick with your question here, because we only have about 45 right. seconds. So, uh, give me your comment regarding the uh, what I just said. Yeah, uh, for starters, my first comment is that is a textbook example of how not to handle Ask Frank Anything. You, you should start your question with what, where, who, how, does, do, are, you know, questions. Um, do I think people mispronounce things because they can't spell? No, no. I, I mean, I think people pronounce things the way they've heard them generally. Um, and, you know, look, until recently, I thought I was pronouncing poinsettia correctly. I was pronouncing it as poinsettia when, in fact, it is poinsettia. Look, people make mistakes. Everyone says that I pronounce the word until as until. Um, I'm not conscious of that. I don't know why I do that, but I do. So that's it. Hey, Mike, Nate, and Robert, if you want to hold, I'll try and get to your question next hour. Hey, you guys have a consensus on best question. Brandon Jr. Brandon Jr., call back. There is a magnet in your future, unless, of course, this is a simulation. Keep asking questions.